back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shevin, along with Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this week with episode 115. Artie, 115. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are we doing, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're coming off a power victory. Um, you know, sending a one-on-one on the year. Did what, we got, did what we had to do last weekend, so feeling good, man. Feeling real good. Good, good. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. It's always better to record after after a pirate victory, no matter the opponent. Um Yeah, I I'm very excited for what I saw Saturday and uh hopefully what's to come in, in the coming weeks and hopefully some more pirate victories. Absolutely. Um Yeah, I mean <laughs> the, we we did a Twitter space afterwards and it seemed like all the Everybody's feeling pretty good about about this ECU team right now, um, and there's a lot to feel good about. So we'll we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, but first, Artie, this episode of the Boneyard Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. If you want to go to Manscaped.com, use promo code promo code Boneyard twenty for twenty percent off your entire order. That includes shipping. Once again, go to Manscaped.com, twenty percent off. Your entire order, including shipping. Um, but already number 15. Do you have a 15? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely got a 15 for you. Um, probably, and this might be recency bias, but he's probably going to go down as the greatest 15 of all time. Um, and that's one Patrick Mahomes, the second. Uh, very, very young in his career. Still has a lot to do. Super Bowl champion, MVP. Uh, undoubted leader of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's going to win at least three more rings in his career, if not more. He's got another decade plus in him, um, and he rocks the number 15. So I, I definitely had to shout my guy out, Patrick Mahomes, out of Texas Tech. Anybody that saw that man play college football knows that uh, that Texas Tech defense let 70 on the board, and Patrick Mahomes put 72 up on the board. So uh, always been a gunslinger, always been good at scoring points. So, uh, yeah, number 15 for me would be uh, Patrick Mahomes. Good, good. Yeah, mine is uh, none other than Braves legend, A's legend, San Francisco Giants. Uh, I mean, he, he was all right there. Uh, Tim Hudson, 2014 World Series champ, four-time All-Star. Uh, during that, like, when was he with the Braves? He was, like, there 2000 and – six 2005 through about 2013 so he was there during like the okay times the the Mm -hmm. end of the the braves uh division division streak and through like the beginning of of the tough times in, in the bears but um yeah i mean went to auburn but yeah tim hudson he is he is a he's a legend in my book. I, I loved watching him. He's mm-hmm. always he's always a great interview. Um, seems like a nice guy. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tim Hudson. Um, definitely during that time period, my, one of my favorite pitchers um, in in the Major League Baseball. Um, so yeah, Artie, let, let's get into uh, let's get into this this past weekend's game against Old Dominion. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the good first, okay? What did you see from ECU that you thought was was the good? 
Um, you know, we said this in the recap, you know, on Saturday night, leaving the game, uh, defense, that, that, that's definitely the number one thing I take away from this game. Defense, uh, look phenomenal. Once again, I, I look, I, I get it. It's old dominion, uh, old dominion hangs their hat on their defense as well. Their defense is definitely the, the better side of that football program. It's going to be the reason why they win a lot of games this year or, or win games at all. We know that our offense is not that great, but still back to back weeks, um, having a pretty much a complete performance from your defense keeping them in check, keeping an offense in check, keeping a veteran quarterback uh, in check, uh, getting some turnovers. We had a couple of turnovers in that game last week. Um, so, you know, for me, the number one takeaway is just how good our defense is becoming. It can get better. I mean, honestly, our defense can still, you know, has room for improvement, um, can get can get better throughout the season. There's some things that we can do, um, especially, you know, that push up front sometimes and, and then our, our, our linebacker play. Uh, can be a little lackluster at times, but I, I think overall, I mean, as as a whole unit, I mean, our our defense, and we talked about the how far they've come. Um, they they look legit. That our defense absolutely looks legit. So I'll say the the big takeaway on the good side for me would be our defense. Yeah, I, I mean, the defense. Uh, I believe I think they had one. I know they had one interception. Did they have? Was there a fumble? Yeah, there was a fumble recovery. Yeah, there was a fumble. Yeah, it was fumble recovery yep. too. Yep. So yeah, de- defense looked good. Um, I, I thought it was good to see Keaton Mitchell and Roger Harris finally get to tote the rock a little bit. Um, it it was something that people were concerned about after week one against NC state. Look, NC state's got a good defensive line. Um, old dominion, nothing against them, but their defensive line is nowhere near as good as, as NC states. And, uh, and ECU really came through. And, and those two guys led the way. I mean, you had Keaton Mitchell with over 100 or with 160 total yards. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that that 81 yard touchdown run that he had, which Artie, I called. Did I not? <laughs> I, you know what, man? I, I have to give credit where credit is due. At least 15 or 20 seconds before that play, you were like, would love to see him break break one off right here. You just you tap me on my shoulder, it was like watch him break one off right here, and then he breaks one off. So I, I gotta I gotta give you your credit on that. One. Hey, I mean, if Donnie Kirkpatrick ever needs to miss a miss a game, <laughs> hey, no, 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 I don't think we're going that far. <laughs> but no, yeah, I I called that run, and I, I was very excited about calling that. That's not the first time it's happened though. There's been several times where I'm like, oh, watch this. You, yeah, you you you've called a few. You've called a few. I, so, like I said, I have to give credit where credit is due. You've it's a not a shot in the dark. I know what I'm talking about, y'all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Keaton Mitchell. Um, I, I really like to see what he could do and the balance of the the run game that we have. I mean, you'll see you'll see Keaton come out on on first and second down, and then when when you got when you got to get four yards, three yards, mm-hmm. you can give it to Rajay. Now, the one thing I will say about about our running backs that I I've noticed in the past, but um, really stood out to me this week was there's times where they're hit in the backfield and they still get positive yards out of it. Yeah. I mean, Rajay, I know there was one time he, he was pretty much wrapped up in, in the backfield and still broke off for four or five yards. Um, he, he averaged, I, I believe it was like 3.6, four yards per carry on, on Saturday. And then, of course, Keen Mitchell, he was averaging like 8.1 yards, but that's a, a little skewed with with that massive run he had in, in the third quarter. But um, 
or was that in the fourth quarter? I, I forget. But yeah, I mean, all in all, those two guys, you've got to to have the offense that ECU wants to have, which is a very balanced approach. You've got to get those two guys going. And it was good to mm-hmm. see them get going in, in week two. Week one, I, I don't put that against them. Don't put it against our offensive line. Don't put it on Donnie Kirkpatrick. That's just a really good NC State football team that they played. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that. Hey, I wish they ha- had more because I do wish they had more during that game. But um, it, it was good to see that. Hey, they're just still the same two guys that we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, and and another positive that I'll take away from this game as well is the fourth quarter. You know, for two straight weeks. We've won the fourth quarter, uh, usually in a tight game, and you win the fourth quarter. Most of the time, you win the ball game. Now, obviously, in the, in the first week, we did not see that, uh, even though, you know, we all know as Pirate Pirates, you know, we, we probably should have won that game, but that's all right. Um, but I was really excited to see how we put it all together. We played a full 60 minutes of football, put it all together in the fourth quarter, because uh, this was a close game, and you got to give Old Dominion some credit. I mean, throughout three quarters, Old Dominion kept it within one score. It's not like we blew them out the gates in the first half. I mean, this was still a game going into the fourth quarter, and we put our foots on the gas. We, you know, we got some turnovers, scored two touchdowns and a field goal in the fourth quarter to really cement it and put it just just put it out of reach. Uh, so that's another takeaway that I take from this game: being able you know, that that's a that's a a sign of a veteran team with veteran leadership. When you can go out and you can consistently win fourth quarters and not just win them but win them decisively, um, that's how you know you have a veteran-laden team. So that's another good thing that I'll take away from the game. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember who uh, who said it in the post-game press conference, but they that that was kind of the the underlying theme uh, of the press conference after, after the game on Saturday. Last week it was, we're not afraid of anybody. This week it was, hey, we practice harder, we play harder in the fourth quarter, than anybody in the country, we're, we're gonna we're gonna come out there and ball in the fourth quarter, no matter if we're up thirty, no matter if we're down seventeen, we're gonna come out and we're gonna play our game. And we've seen it the last two weeks. I mean, ECU has has played well in the fourth quarter, and already it's been a long time since I, I saw the no quarter flag raised and saw everybody getting hyped up in, in between the third and fourth quarter and felt yeah. like it actually meant something. Now yeah. no quarter actually means something. Yeah. I mean, no, no quarter is, it, it's a tradition that at times it's been like, all right, do we really need to do this? In the last two weeks, it's shown this team really gives no quarter um, in the fourth quarter. So that, that's what I would say um, as far as how they play. Look, this may be one of the best condition ECU teams I've seen in a long, long time. Um, yeah, I, 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 like, that, I like that you pointed that out because I completely agree with that. There's the stamina of this team is is phenomenal. They're they're not. I mean, even even with that goal line stand against NC State, and I I hate that I keep going back to that game, but you usually when you have plays or when you have a drive like that and your defense is on the field. Usually it's guys standing with their hands on their hips and trying mm-hmm. to gasp for for break, for air, and um, you, you didn't see that. You don't see that. They get down, they put their head down, and they they get ready for the next play. 
And yeah. I, I would say as far as fourth quarters go, I mean, that's amazing to see. And you're going to need that down the stretch as we head into the week three. And then, I mean, after this weekend, we're a quarter of the way through the season already. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> after this weekend, we just are. And it it's one of those things that you've got to, you got to maintain that you got to, and it, a lot of that goes out to strength and conditioning coach, big John. I mean, look, he, he's got these guys, right. The, the nutrition, the training that they, these guys go through is better than any over the last 10 years is, is the best they've had. Um, and, and a lot of that goes back to the maturation and, and the maturity of having a veteran led team. I mean, the, these guys know what it takes to come out and compete week in and week out on, on the football field, and they're setting themselves up for success later on down the road. Um, my next takeaway, Artie, uh, week one, we we saw a lot of drop passes. I, I don't think that I don't think that Holden's passes were terrible. He had that mm-hmm. one bad pass week one, but a lot of the times they were getting hit in the hands and just dropping passes. You didn't see that this week. Um, I, I think Jalen Johnson and Isaiah Winstead, the, the new guys, the transfers have really, uh, I, I think that week one, not that it was too big for them, but I think that th- there may have been some nerves playing in front of the home crowd in front of a big opponent or against a big opponent, um, week one. And there, there were some drops and that that's going to happen, but, uh, they, they corrected it. They got right. And man, did they ball out the, the wide receivers, they all of them had a great game and let me ask you this Artie we all know CJ Johnson and and how great he can be and mm-hmm. what he brings to this Pirates football team before the season we I think we both said CJ Johnson has to be wide receiver one right mm-hmm. but to me it seems like wide receiver one is either Jalen Johnson or Isaiah or Winston Isaiah right Winston yeah and I, I'm not sure who it is. I, somebody asked me during the game. Uh, I, I was walking around on the concourse during halftime, and somebody asked me, "Hey, who, who's wide receiver one right now?" And I, I, I would have to say maybe Jalen Johnson, but I say a Winstead. That second half he had was, uh, <laughs> he he might make me eat my words. And he's a friend of the podcast. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I just know we have a great receiver room. That that that's all I know. Because you look at week one against State. I mean, CJ had what six receptions for almost hundred yards and a touchdown. I mean, he had he had a he had a pretty damn good day week one against State. Um, so you he's know, he's the guy then, that they're gonna lock up. He's the guy that they're gonna right. lock up. And, and then you know, you come into week two, and look, we we know what Isaiah once said is because I, I think he he had a decent day uh, week one against State as well. He had an even better day against Old Dominion. Jalen Johnson, I mean, kid came out of nowhere. You know, the, the kid from Georgia. Um, and, and had a phenomenal day. But uh, you look at our receiver room, you know, hadn't even – we got, you know, Cy Hatfield coming back. You know, we got Ryan Jones, uh, who's 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 still in the fold. I mean, that that, that receiver Shane room Calhoun. was just incredible. Shane Calhoun. I didn't even mention yeah, I, Shane Calhoun, who had, who had a touchdown against Old Dominion. Um, we got hands, man. I think and, – and if we do a receiver by committee, that's perfectly fine by me because we have so many guys that can just go get it. But as far as a wide receiver one, I I don't know. I couldn't tell you who and wide receiver you one know, is. Artie, you know the scary thing is, Rajay and Keaton both have they can both catch. Hands. 
Yeah, they catch them. Pretty good hands. So, um, and not to mention the fact that Holden can move his feet. Look, this offense can be scary. As long as the offensive line shows up like it has the first two weeks, look, yeah, there were there were some sacks in, in week two, but I mean, for this offensive line to show up the way they have, yeah, um, it's impressive compared to wh- where we've seen in the in the past. Um, next, Pirates. I mean, they were ten for nineteen on third down offense, and then they held the defense held Old Dominion to one for I think nine on yeah. third down. Yeah, that's impressive. That that's very impressive. I- one thing we forgot to mention, too, we were so close to holding Old Dominion to negative rushing yards. Had it not been for one big running play in, in garbage time, really, it was it was garbage yeah. time at the end of the game, we would have held them to negative rushing yards. I, I think the stat was, what, 1973 was the yeah. last time we held a team to, to negative rushing yards. I think it was like negative six or something like that. It was so negative 12 against, uh, against negative 12, okay. Davidson back in 1973. That was the last time ECU had held a – Team to negative uh, rushing yards, and so if if, if you want to know just how good our defense is and can be, this is a, this is a Division One football team, and we damn near held to negative rushing yards. And so this is a, I mean, yeah, you ha- you have a decent quarterback, but their only threat outside of the quarterback is Ollie Jennings, who mm-hmm. I mean, Ollie Jennings had a hell of a day. Oh my I mean, God, yeah. that guy, yeah, yeah. 196 <laughs> yards for three touchdowns. Look, three touchdowns. That, yeah, guy, that guy's yeah. going places. That guy's going places. I would have loved to have him on, on the ECU sideline. But, um, yeah, we did not have an answer for him. But against Virginia Tech, that's how they that's how they got a lot of their offense was on the ground. And for you to hold them, I, I think we had them to like negative 11 yards, negative 10 yards with like five minutes, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. That that's big. I mean, and a lot of that, a lot of that goes back to the defense and um, just how how Blake Harrell has this team playing. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's impressive. Uh, lastly, Artie, EC didn't turn the ball over um, once during Saturday. They they didn't fumble it. They didn't throw an interception. Um, that was good to see after two interceptions against NC State. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the conditions that we they were playing in. Yeah, it didn't rain most of the game, but in wet conditions, the field's wet. It's easy to it's easy to drop the ball, um, and and that that didn't happen. So, yeah, that that's what I have for the good. Yeah, and you know, and to add on to that, last thing for the good, we won the turnover uh, turnover ratio and the time of possession forty minutes. In time of possession, absolutely killed them on time of possession. If you win the turnover ratio and you've got forty minutes with the ball, you're going to win the football game. It's that that you're just going to win. So, yeah, I mean, Coach Houston said in, in the press conference, like, look, I haven't seen time of possession numbers like that since I ran the triple option. Yeah, when he when he was at the Citadel, I mean, that's that is gaudy numbers. I mean. ECU, what was it? Their first drive, the first drive. I think they went seventeen plays. It was a long first drive. It took up almost half the quarter. Yeah, I mean, it was like seven seven minutes, seventeen plays. Yeah, you didn't get a touchdown there, but you come away with points. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of drives that that wear down a defense early, and 
and win you a ball game. Right. And that it, that was the first drive of the game. Um, so, yeah. Shout out. Anybody that wants to talk about all Kirk play calling and Donnie Kirkpatrick. Look, we've talked as much shit as we can about Donnie Kirkpatrick in the past. Yes, we have. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to – if. I'm not going to hold him accountable if we're not, I mean, if we're, if we have the ball for 40 minutes, I'm not holding him accountable. Yeah, I mean, right. Like that, like <laughs> what, what else do you want? Um, right. All right. Artie, going to the bad Ailers. I said it, I just said it. Ailers was sacked three times. Um, I think really only once was that on him um, where, where he had, plenty of time to make a decision and just didn't make that decision and got dropped in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and he almost got, a, almost got away with it, but that that's the thing. And the thing that on the positive side of that, there's been time where Ehlers has been rushed and didn't have the right to sit through the ball away and turn the ball over, you know, and yeah. we didn't see that. We didn't see that this past weekend. Um, when when he got in trouble, he either just went down with it or uh, or tried to tried to throw it away. Um, so yeah, it sucks that he was sacked three times, but that that's going to happen. The ebbs and flows over the course of the year. Um, ECU right now is allowing one and a half sacks per game. That's the way I'm going to look at it, and I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I'm sure I'm yeah, sure and, and- will too. For and, and I, I agree completely with you. And for as good as our offense did, um, you know, most of our numbers, most of our stats, and most of our, you know, really consistent scoring came in the fourth quarter. You know, I felt like our our offense, and we scored 39 points, which you know that that's going to win you most ball games. But they still felt a little pedestrian at times. I feel like our offense can still get better, like a lot better. Like as 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 good as our weapons are, as good as Houghton can be, you know, I still feel like our offense. There's 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 a next level to it. I I don't I don't think in any stretch of the imagination that they've peaked or that they're as good as they can be. I, like you know I, I really felt watching that game on Saturday. There are some moments when our offense is a little pedestrian, a little lackluster. I know that they can be better than what they're showing right now, and they still put up you know 531 yards of offense and 39 points. So I will say you know I don't want people to look at this and say oh well you know. They did all that while you get on the offense. If you were there and you saw the game and you watched, you know when we play better teams, they're not going to allow those kinds of numbers. That kind of pedestrian play in the first three quarters cannot keep up. Like we we, we can't continue to do that in order for us to keep it a game going into the fourth quarter. So, you know, one thing that I will take away is the offense, a little pedestrian at times, still a great offense. I think we're still fine. We're still going to be okay. But there are some things that I'd like to see get tuned up and 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 fixed before we start play some 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 better opponents. Luckily, the next couple of weeks we got Campbell, we got Navy. We're not overlooking those teams. You know, South Florida, obviously not overlooking those teams, but they are not the best teams on our schedule. We have legitimate competition on the back end of our schedule, and you know, I'm I'm happy that we can play some of these other teams, get our offense on track before we play a BYU or a Houston or a Cincinnati. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, lastly, there's some weak plays given up on, on the defense. Um, without good the defense is, uh, it's easy to overlook these. I mean, there's times Ollie Jennings just broke, broke one off and uh, beat the coverage. I mean, I think the one time that 
I, I think a lot of people look back to. I can't remember who. Demel Hickman, the cornerback, uh, slipped and was covering him. Slipped and fell, and, and Ollie took it to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, look, that sucks. But you you give them you give up some big plays, and it it, it just happens when you like this. They that's the only way they could beat us. And I at one point I was I was looking at it, I was like, man, it's like third and five. Why do they keep throwing it downfield? Like, why why is Old Dominion trying to throw it downfield? Because the guys up front, that's all they were giving them. Mm-hmm. Those deep passes, occasionally he's going to come down with one. Um, so that's what I'll put it on. Um, but yeah, there were some times in weak coverage where Ollie Jennings found the hole and, and was able to sit there and and catch the pass. So um, yeah. that, that's how he got 196 yards. I don't foresee somebody putting up almost 200 yards of offense on, on this ECU football team much the rest of the season. Um and then the ugly, Artie, we got to talk about it. The blocking on special teams, it, it's still a major issue. I don't know who it is. Uh, I, don't, I haven't gone back to look at it, look at the play. But, I mean, it's it happened It happened twice on Saturday. Our extra point was blocked. Um, so, something's not happening. Same thing happened in, on the block punt against uh, NC State. There was a missed assignment. Somebody didn't. Blocked their guy, broke right through and and blocked the kick. Mm-hmm. You can't have that. Um, you can't have that. Coach Houston said that it's been dealt with, and whoever missed their blocking assignment was taken off, basically taken off the special teams unit and replaced. And they they didn't have that issue the rest of the game. So um, we'll we'll see how that goes moving forward to see. If there's still issues, um, I really hope there's not. I I don't want to talk about any more special teams being being an issue uh, moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, the question was brought up in the post game presser. Coach Houston seemed to be annoyed by the question. Obviously, when it when it was brought up, so you, you got to know that he's going to address that to the team and address that to the rest of the coaches. Um, I I do believe it's been handled. Um, but like you said, it needs to be handled. It needs to be nipped in the bud, and it needed to be fixed yesterday. Um, special teams cannot be something that, that that is a recurring thing. If special teams is going to bite us in the ass the rest of the season, we might as well go ahead and call it now because we're going to have some close games against some quality competition, and special teams are going to have to be on point. They're not just going to have to be good. They're going to have to be excellent. They're going to have to be on point. Um, so hopefully it is uh, nipped in the bud. It's where it needs to be, and we can stop talking about special teams, and we can move on. Um but uh, I got to believe Coach Houston when, when, when he says it's, it's been fixed and uh, it will be addressed. For sure. Now, Artie, a new segment that we're doing, and we've talked enough about this guy, so we won't talk too, too much. But yeah. um, a new segment that we're doing every week after a win, we're going to do our bad to the bone player of the week. This week, the bad to the bone player of the week is Keen Mitchell. I mean, it's got to be. Deuce. <laughs> 160 yards, two touchdowns, including his 81-yard rush for six. Once again, that I called. Also, on that rush, Artie, he had a top speed of 22.6 miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. He did Best something similar last year. Football last weekend. He did it a couple times last year. Yeah. And I think I, I, I think I, he's still got more in the tank. 
Could you imagine I think it's safe if he to broke say, that off? Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say he is the fastest man in college football. I think I think everybody can agree Keaton Mitchell is the fastest man in college football. For sure. For sure, Artie. Um, and could you – I mean, what I was going to say was, could you imagine if he broke that off early in the game when he still had full energy? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that that was probably throttled back a little bit. I think I think he could. How fast do you think he could hit? Do you think he could hit twenty five? I I think he can get twenty four. Twenty five is pretty hard. I think he can hit it. I think he can hit twenty four at, at at full speed with with a defender chasing him like like full out pursuit. I think he can hit twenty four. Maybe a little little, little higher than twenty four. Twenty five is hard. I think I think he can crack twenty four. Twenty four point three. All right. Um. Well, already. We do have Chris Hemmeyer, the play-by-play voice of Campbell, the Campbell Fighting Camels coming on the podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, before, we, uh, before we send it over to that, let me tell you a little bit about Manscaped. Support for the Boneyard Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code BONEYARD20 at manscaped.com. If that math is correct, that's about uh, 12 million balls already. Um, <laughs> I don't know, let me ask better than mine. Let me let me ask you, Artie. Um, ha, have you ever hurt yourself down there if, if you're keeping them clean? I, I have because I do manscape and I have nipped them. I've, I've I've nicked them a couple times. Yeah, I mean it, it's the it's the worst thing. I mean in the world, they are your as a man, they are your lifeline, right? Like nothing yeah. can bring a man to his knees faster than nicking his balls when he's when he's manscaping. Um, the performance package 4.0 has arrived and oh man, is it a game changer inside this package? You'll find the, their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear, no, ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant already. I love this stuff. I oh, yeah, absolutely love phenomenal. It. You put it on when you get ready, just like you put on the deodorant under your arms, put it on. It is going to make you feel fantastic all day long. The crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs. I'm wearing. I'm wearing mine right now already, um, mm-hmm. and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof. And also has a 4,000 kilowatt LED stoplight or spotlight. You need so that you can be more precise with your shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You can do it in, you can use it in the shower. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker nose and hair ear hair trimmer. 
this the weed whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs in those delicate nose holes already I, I got some i got some delicate nose holes and <laughs> i i don't i don't want to cut those just as much as i don't want to cut my ball sack all right the crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine trust me when i say this fellas your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com. Go. Do it. Get 20% off. I promise you. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. It's going to get you 20% off free shipping if you use the promo code BONEYARD20. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BONEYARD20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use promo code BONEYARD20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Here's our interview with Chris Himmeyer from Campbell University. This week on the Boneyard Podcast, we have none other than Campbell play-by-play voice, Chris Haymeyer on the podcast. Chris, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. How's it going, my friend? Hey, great. Thank you guys so much for uh, having me on. Uh, when I first moved to North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina was my home. I lived and worked in New Bern. I lived and worked in Kinston. Um, I, I worked for the Pirates back for my time before, uh, before I came to Campbell. So whenever we play ecu in any sport it's a it's a homecoming and i and i love talking about campbell and i love talking about campbell playing the pirate for sure now this is the first matchup between campbell and, and ecu in football since 1939 now the campbells are, are three and one against the pirates in, in the four meetings that they've they've played together uh do you see either of the coaches using either, any of that information to, to <laughs> roll up the teams <laughs> You know, you know how Coach Houston is the is the king of motivation. I am sure he has that up on the bulletin board. Not saying that the games happened back before World War II, but I bet he has three and one up in the bulletin board to try to get something um, out of his players. Isn't that a hilarious stat? You know, Malcolm Gray, the wonderful um, sports information director for for the Pirates and now for football in his first year. I, I love that he that, that he pulled that up, and, and that's a good segue into Campbell doesn't have that long of a football history. Campbell, uh, as, as a junior college, played football from 25 to 50. This is just the 15th year of the rebirth of Campbell football, as we, as we call it, and only the fifth year that they've been an FCS scholarship program. So it has not been as long as a history as you think. We played in the 30s. But we had a long slumber for about 60 years there in the middle. Gotcha. Now, Chris, what can you tell us about this Camels team? I mean, you know, playing out of, you know, out of the FCS, one-on-one, -on -one, much like the Pirates, what, you know, can Pirate Nation expect from Campbell, uh, Campbell excuse me, coming in to Dottie Fickman on Saturday? Well, we think we might be able to give the Pirates the fight. Look. This will be the best team that, uh, that 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 Campbell has has ever played in in the biggest stadium that Campbell has ever played in against the most people that, uh, that 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 Campbell has has ever played against. But they have a lot of confidence in this team. Um, as I said, this is just the fifth year as an FCS scholarship program, so this is a team that's finally deep. 
that too deep is truly a, a too deep full of guys that can play. There's a couple guys on there's a couple guys out on the field for the for, for the guys in orange for for Campbell that that that'll probably end up in an NFL camp. The defensive end, Brevin Allen, number nine. Um, he's a guy that could play at the FBS level. Julian Hill is is a tight end that can block as well as he can catch a, a good sized guy. Haj Malik Williams. He is a uh, dynamic dual threat quarterback. Uh, he was originally scheduled to go to Army. He found his way to Campbell, and he has been sensational. He was the, the the freshman offensive player of the year in the Big South Conference. And they've got an offensive line that's not going to look like your normal FCS line against an FBS team. They average 330, and they've got some experience up there. Now, look, they've never played a team with the weapons that that Campbell has. I think a, a big part of this game is, is going to be played um, in the secondary. Of course, Ehlers, the all-everything quarterback for for ECU is going to be a, a problem, but but hopefully Campbell can hang with him for a little while. Yeah, tell tell me a little bit more about about this offense. I mean, you got Haj Malik Williams at quarterback, but uh, what what is it that makes? I mean, they hung with William and Mary, a team that beat who Virginia just two weeks ago. Um, tell me tell me a little bit more about about this offense. Yeah, yeah, it was a William and Mary team that just that just stomped Charlotte forty-one to twenty, and a team that that's in the in the in the top twenty-five now. And and Campbell really hung with them. Three interceptions thrown by Haj Malik Williams, including one that was a pick-six, or it would have been even a closer score. So they totally revamped their offense. Mike Minner, the the former Carolina Panther and two-time national champion in college with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, um, this is his tenth year in this program. Last year. Uh, Campbell went up to play JMU. JMU, of course, the FCS powerhouse. It's now an FBS. And that was a game that happened in the first half of the season. But he saw what you needed to do to be a good FCS team. And he knew that he didn't have it on offense. He fired his entire offensive staff, except his wide receiver coach, a guy named Anthony Whedon, and made him the offensive coordinator. It's a it's a fast break offense that can pull the throttle down. They want to snap the ball with 30 seconds left on the play clock every time they're rolling on offense when this offense is going as, as fast as it can. They've got six running backs. They've only used three or four so far in, in the games, but they feel that they have a stable of backs. They've got some good receivers, uh, including FBS transfers. Uh, Jai Williams is a guy who started his career at Coastal Carolina. Ezariah Anderson Easy as they call him, he uh, started his career at Iowa State. He was recruited by uh, by both Oregon and Missouri, and so he's put it together with with homegrown guys. He's done a great job uh, of recruiting. He has had some FBS transfers that have put into the lineup, and then last year Campbell was able to rake in the number one recruiting class in all of FCS. So he's got some true freshmen out there that believe it or not, guys, and and you'll probably not believe it and and look it up online after this but 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 Campbell had double digit three and four star guys in this current freshman class gotcha. now Chris talk to us a little bit about Mike Minter you, you mentioned him he's in year 10 where do you feel he can lead this program going forward I mean do you think he can lead Campbell to an FCS power eventually going forward Definitely. That's what he wants to do. And, and he think he, and he thinks he can do it here. Now, look, he, he's been here for 10 years. And usually if you're at the FCS level for 10 years, you either really love what you're doing or you're just good enough to keep your job. That, that's not the case. He had to rebuild this 
Wisconsin's program went one and ten the year before he came, and you you couldn't give any scholarships. So now that he has scholarships, uh, obviously the recruiting is is going in the right direction. He has a plan, and like he said, he knows what it takes, and he's not afraid to do what it takes, as in firing his entire offensive staff, some guys that he's known for a long time, some guys that has been here in the program with him for a long time. Uh, he, he knows what he has to do to get to the top of the FCS. And you mentioned that game against William & Mary. I think that that was a really good test and a really good measuring stick for Campbell. Not only is that a top 25 FCS team, but the announcement was made this summer that Campbell in all sports is going to the CAA. The CAA is is the best conference in FCS. They get the automatic bid, but they sometimes get four teams in, five teams in. They set an FCS record by getting six teams in back uh, back five years ago. So it's a it's a tough conference. William and Mary is going to compete for for a title. They're picked to finish in the top four, and and Campbell looked like they belonged with them out there. Now, I mean, last year we saw that Charleston Southern they they gave the Pirates everything that they that they had last year and honestly I, I wasn't at the game i was sweating it out uh watching it on my watching the score on my phone uh, i was like man we cannot lose to charleston southern right now um how how, do, how does how does this campbell team stay in, in the fight with, with ecu yeah that's a great question they they've got to start fast and, and they've got to get and they've got to get some good breaks. Look, they're, they're going to take some shots down the field. That's just in the in the DNA of their offense. And, and as I said, they, they think they have some guys um, that aren't going to be intimidated by by the FBS level because they've they've, they've played at the FBS level. Um, I think something that's going to at least you hope um, pull Campbell through the initial shell, shell shock is the fact that in the in, in the 2020 season, the COVID season, they played a fall schedule um, against four FBS teams. They were at Georgia Southern, at Coastal Carolina, at App, and at Wake Forest. And they were in all of these games I until about halftime, some even into the third quarter. They should have won at Georgia Southern. Uh, they, they lost on a failed two-point conversion when in, instead with a minute left in the game of, of kicking the extra point, they went for two to try to win, had a guy open, just missed him. So I think they're going to lean back on that to say, hey, guys, you've proven that you can stick with some FBS teams and, and here's your chance to show what you can do. A lot of guys from Eastern North Carolina, a lot of guys from North Carolina, they know what ECU is. They know the fan base. They know – um, how good this team should be this year. And so they're going to look at it as a, as a challenge and go in and give it their best. Yeah. Now, Chris, you mentioned Hodge Malik Williams, uh, standout quarterback for you guys, but who are some other guys, offense and defense, that could cause the Pirates some trouble? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Julian Hill is that is that tight end I talked about. He, he's, he's got the size, he's got the hands, but, but watch him block. That's when he really, really is something that's going to get him into an NFL camp. He was a quarterback, a, a record-setting quarterback uh, in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, coming through high school. So, so he looks at the offense um, with those eyes and, and with that brain, and he's, really a, and he's really a special, special, special guy. On, on the defensive side of things, um, Brevin Allen uh, is 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 a guy number nine who is going to end up in a couple of camps. He was last year's Big South Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He set a a Campbell record in both sacks and and tackles for losses. And he's got another guy on the other side of him. Is he's getting a lot of double teams by the name of Josh Johnson, um, a, a guy that should be playing FBS right now, but he's here 
he's here with Campbell. So they've got a couple of, of good defensive ends um, that are doing um, what they need to do and, and to, to get into NFL camps. And, and Miles Rouser is a 6'1 freshman from Detroit. He was a, a, a four-star um, recruit after his junior year, banged up his knee. A lot of the Power 5 schools backed off him, Campbell was with him from the very beginning, and, and he's a guy that's in the secondary as well. Nice. Yeah, talking about this, the, the defense, I, I'd like to know, I mean, what with, with ECU, that we were talking about their offense a little bit earlier. I mean, there's so many weapons on, on this ECU offense. What, what do you see from, from this ECU offense? Who are you most excited to watch um, coming from, from ECU uh, this, this Saturday? Man, Ayler's the quarterback because it's because it's such a great story. I mean, I've known his dad um, since I moved into the area um, in in 2001. So so it's been fun to, to to work at times alongside from his dad, and then to be a homegrown talent to lead uh, your football team, go through the up and ups and downs that that has been with his career, and to really you know it, it, you know knock on wood, he have a good year this year and really lead ECU back on back on top of the conference. I, I just think it's a great story. There's a special place in my heart for him. I grew up um, in a college town at the University uh, of Missouri back in Columbia, Missouri. So I know if you grew up going to games, if you grew up bleeding, I bled black and gold back when I was growing up. He bled purple and gold. And to play for the team you love and be successful with the team you love, I just can't imagine what he's feeling. Hey, he's had some hard times too. He's had to endure a lot of criticism, as as you guys know. But but if he could tie a bow on everything and his career and get ECU to to, to where they want to go uh, this season, it would just be uh it would just be a story. It's almost like a Disney movie. Yeah. Now I, I know you mentioned joining the CAA, uh, but you're currently in the Big South. What is it like playing in the Big South Conference? And do you feel Campbell can win the Big South uh, this season? Yeah, they definitely can win the Big South Conference, and and the way the Big South Conference is this year is is one of the things um, that made Campbell join the join the CAA when they got the invitation. They thought it was it was the best thing for him for a lot of reasons, but 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 football has been has been up and down as far as membership. You know, ten years ago it was a it was a two bid league. The Big South was in football. That was when Liberty was a FCS power, Coastal Carolina was an FCS power. And then even the last couple of years, Kennesaw State, a top 25 team, a top 10 team. Monmouth was a top 25 team in the FCS as well, but they have moved on to other conference. So right now it's just a 16 conference and those teams are all over the place. Robert Morris is in the Big South, is in the Big South Conference. Bryant is in the Big South Conference. They were just Division II along with Coastal Carolina and Gardner-Webb, NCANT is in the conference for one more year and then moves out. So Campbell was really looking at the landscape and saying, all right, we only have five conference games this year. It's hard to schedule. We never know who's going to be in our conference. A team in our conference is a former Division II team from Rhode Island. So it was a good time for them to get out. There is no power in the Big South right now, and this being Campbell's deepest team and most talented team, they feel that they can win and get their first-ever playoff berth. Nice. Now, with the FCS and the playoff setup with, with how it is in FCS, now we're talking playoff expansion in, in FB, at the FBS level. Um, what, would, what could you say about ex, the expansion 
I mean, from the FCS point of view, what, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's great. You know, I mean, if you're, you know, it, it, it's kind of like you, you, you think about it um, in, in terms of, in terms of March Madness, you know, one of the reasons why March Madness grips the nation every year is because you have good teams, teams that won their conference. Now, look, the Big South isn't the ACC, but if you win the Big South, you're, 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 you're a pretty good team. And, and then you go up against one of the best in the, in the ACC and, and you see those, those matchups. That's why the FBS um, is getting to the point. Why limit it to four when you have so many good teams out there? I mean, I mean, the FCS and, and, and look, it doesn't get um, as much exposure as as March Madness or definitely as as FBS. But in their playoffs, other than a really good team going to a bowl that nobody cares about, they have a chance to win a national championship. And if you're good enough to win your conference in FCS, you get a chance at the national championship. And, and look, there's there's juggernauts in the FCS as we all know, and it's still a lot of David and Goliath stories, but it, but it adds that little bit of sizzle um, to the end of the year and more of a, what are we playing for instead of, uh, of some team in, in, in FBS that's in a conference that knows that they're not going to get into the playoffs because it's limited to four. Now maybe they will have a chance. And as you know, East Carolina, they're a team that at times have been more than good enough to to, to, to be into the top 25 and the top 20 and the top 10. And now if there's a path to a national championship through an expanded playoff, how much sizzle will that add to the conference season for, for a team like ECU? Gotcha. Now something, you know, I, I when I was going to school, I, I actually did a campus tour of, of Campbell. I think they have a, a gorgeous campus down there in Bowie's Creek. Always love the, the, the community down there. What's the fan base like around that football program? Is it a legitimate big fan base? Is everybody in on on Campbell football? What is what is that like? Yeah, it's it's growing at a smaller level. Look, our our stadium seats fifty five hundred, but it's filled up pretty much every week. Be, before COVID, the, the the three years prior, from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen, they averaged a sellout. Quite frankly, it was a it it, it was an undergraduate. Um, it was an undergraduate student population that before football, once Friday at two o'clock came, they all went home. They all went to different places that they would all visit their friends that were mm -hmm. at football schools. And now everybody sticks around. So that's the good thing. First and foremost, are the students stick around for the games. We have a, a good community of fans that 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 went to Bowie's Creek. This is a this is a university in Campbell that's over that's over 120 years old. And so and it's a place that has a lot of history. And now, guys. As you know, how much Greenville has grown, the Triangle area is exploding. Right now, where we are in the in the center of campus uh, at Campbell University, you can be in downtown Raleigh in 45 minutes. You can be in the RT, RDU airport in an hour. You can be in Durham in an hour. You can be in Chapel Hill in just a little over an hour. And the way the housing prices are, um, I'm, I'm showing my age here of, of telling you that I've been in the, the, the housing market lately. But it's too expensive to, to to live in some of the other suburbs that you knew of in in Raleigh, the the Cary, the Morrisville, the the Garners. It's too expensive to live there now. So people and communities, new communities, are being built out this way because you can get more for your money, and you can still get in downtown Raleigh to work in 45 minutes. So we're really excited about the fact of we have new fans and new families that are look instead of paying 75 bucks and parking over in the state fair parking lot and, and mm -hmm. fighting the crowds and the traffic to go see NC state. You can come here, park for free, pay $15 for your ticket and see a pretty good product of football. 
Yeah, I live in the Morrisville area right now, so I know all about the expenses yeah. so, <laughs> around <laughs> this area. <laughs> yeah, it's, no it's a lot out here. Yeah. All right. Now, Chris, you, you talk about being ha- having lived in Greenville for a little bit. I want to ask you, were you, were you there during the time or since Sub Dogs has been there? Have you been to Sub Dogs? Man, you you know what? So so I never lived in Greenville, but I lived but I lived in Kinston, um, okay. w- which I would say an extended suburb of Greenville, if you will. Yep. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. But um, I I I missed the whole Sub Dogs thing. So yeah, I was uh, I was not a part of that, or or maybe aged out by the time um, that it was there. Is it as good as they say? It is. Yes, it's phenomenal. It, are are y'all coming into town Friday, or are y'all coming in Saturday? You know, we'll come in. We'll, we'll come in. The, the the team will come in Friday. Um, I've got some other duties uh, 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 down here, as we've got twenty one sports. So so I won't come in till till Saturday. Okay. Well, if you get into town early enough <laughs> on Saturday. Already know we we did it. If you get in there around eleven thirty, yeah, on on Saturday, go in. You, you'll you'll be able to get a table fairly quickly. Um, we we got in there and sat right down. We got there probably what around noon, mm-hmm. already. Yep. Um, so if you get there around eleven thirty, you should be able to get a a table. Go get it, enjoy it. It, it you can't you can't beat it. It's a place that you've got, got to go when you're in Greenville now. And I, I was asking because we asked all of our guests what their sup dogs order, knowing that you had lived in the eastern part of the state. I, I didn't know if you <laughs> if you'd been able to enjoy it yet. Um, not yet, not but, yet. When I do, when I do go, what should I order? Ooh, I, I always tell people first time you got to get a dog. I mean, they're known for their hot dogs. Everything on the menu is great, yeah. but I, I you know great. get a hot dog, double the dog, and either get bacon cheese fries or bacon cheese tots um with sup sauce and ranch you know it's, it's just you got it got to do it man yeah awesome uh, cheesy bacon delight is my my order right now uh i mean hot dog with a strip of bacon some melted cheese on it sup sauce ranch <laughs> bacon cheese tots oh my gosh making myself gosh, hungry man you guys and are I, making me hungry my goodness and i and i know you gotta work saturday but i mean if you if you can sneak a, a sup crush in there Top notch orange, yeah. <laughs> orange sub crush. I drank one in six seconds uh, this past weekend, so I'm not telling you to do that. Yeah, you're not but, just doing that. Well, hey, look, but, uh, that's one of the things we, we, we've been promising our guys. It's going to be a, a great atmosphere. So, so, so make sure you tell the rest of the alums and all your buddies, hey, you know, go a little easy so you can come in, come in for the first half and give us some of that Dowdy Ficklin uh, uh, atmosphere that that place is known for. Yeah. I. I I think after the first two weeks of this season, the, I mean, I, I'm expecting probably about 25, 30,000. Uh, I'm not expecting a, a 40,000. We we had 30, I think 36 this past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Old a pretty Dominion. good crowd for ODU. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there, uh, I have a buddy, he's a friend of the podcast. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's in Campbell law. He, he's at law school in at Campbell. Yeah. So, um, I know there's a lot of people that have family ties. They're going to be coming in. Um, it should it should be a it should be a fun atmosphere. Um, I, I don't think I don't think they have to worry about that. At least for the first half, it'll be it'll be a pretty raucous atmosphere. It usually is. Yeah, and and this is one of the things that's so neat about Campbell going up to uh, FCS scholarship because their FCS scholarship they can they can play the FBS teams now, and and this will be okay. 
this is Campbell. They're a real football team. When when they run out to a to a stadium in, in an atmosphere at Dowdy Ficklin, um, um, it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people that one thought Campbell would never have a football team, and two thought Campbell would never play some of the big boys in the state. Next year, Campbell's playing UNC. They've got NC State on the schedule for two years, and uh, guys. Hopefully, I'll still be around for it. But in 2026, mark your, mark your calendars. Campbell goes down to the swamp to take on Florida. Hopefully, it'll be one of the years when Florida's not very good. <laughs> Which is pretty much every year, except for this year, it seems. But <laughs> but awesome. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Best of luck to you and, and the Camels. Um, safe travels down to Greenville this weekend. Absolutely. If you if you make it to Subdogs, hit me up. And uh, if I'm in town, I'll, I'll meet you over there. How's that sound? Will do, will do. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Um, I enjoyed it. And uh, anytime. All right. Well, best of luck to you. Thank you. Once again, that was Chris Himmeyer, the play-by-play voice of Campbell University. Always great talking talking ball with these guys. I already I love having the play-by-play guys on. They, they're just so knowledgeable. And um, it, it's it's guys that are actually around the program, especially when we have have these FCS teams coming in. These guys know the program better than anybody. Yeah. Outside of the coaches, these guys know the program better than anybody. So uh, thank you, Chris, for hopping on with us. But Artie, this past weekend, let's, let's talk about. Wow. What a crazy weekend. Absolutely. Wow. Sunbelt supremacy. Except in Greenville. <laughs> uh, Marshall beats Notre Dame App State beats Texas A&M Bama barely survives against Texas Scott Frost is fired after losing to Georgia Southern another Sunbelt team UCF loses to Louisville Houston loses to Texas Tech those are both teams that we thought would win those games handedly what a weekend mm-hmm. yeah I mean just, just madness it, this is college football though you got to expect weeks like this at least once a year. Maybe not this much. I mean, Marshall going to Notre Dame, App State going to Texas A&M, Georgia Southern going to Nebraska. We know, we know Nebraska's not that good, but still. I mean, for all three of those Sunbelt teams to go in to those buildings and knock off those programs, um, shout out to the Sunbelt. Um, shout out to, to Louisville and, and um, Texas Tech for knocking off some teams that we thought were a lot better. And, you know, they, they still could be. You know, Central Florida and Houston are still going to be good teams. But uh, just a crazy weekend, man. Absolute madness. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that that's what we live for for college football, right? I mean, we live for I, – I, I think I said it to you. I want all of the chaos when it comes to college football, except for when ECU's playing. Yeah, and I, I think Alabama losing would have been too perfect, honestly. It, like, Alabama losing to Texas would have just been too perfect of an upset. The world might know, have burned. Weekend. Yeah. <laughs> that would have just been the ultimate cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, it it was fantastic. A great weekend of college football. Um, but, yeah, all right, moving right along. Uh, Twitter questions. We got, we got a bunch of them this week. Yes, sir. Uh, the people, people want to hear what we think. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're the premier podcast of Pirate Nation. We're the only podcast covering ECU football inside the stadium on Saturdays. It seems like already no, no shot at anybody else. But um, yeah, let's go first. Let's let's talk about Destry Sparks. 
their question. What is up with the 611 hoops recruit offers from Cincinnati, Duke, etc. for for real? Where's the cr- connection between the ECU staff and people around this guy? Is he a high three star or four star guy? Thanks. Look, uh, uh, now I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong. Sierra <laughs> Malonga. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, look, I think one, Mike Schwartz is the best, one of the better recruiters that ECU has had when it comes to basketball. And that's not a shot at Joe Dooley or, or Jeff Lebo, but he he's known for his recruiting. That's why, that's why John Gilbert brought him in to be that guy. Um, this guy he yeah he has some big time offers he has an offer from georgetown offer from cincinnati offer from georgia offer from illinois um offers from texas and and mississippi state he's got some big offers but this is one of those guys that from what i see he's one of those guys that i've been trying to say hey this is who we need to get a guy that doesn't care about where he plays so to speak because he knows wherever he plays, he's going to make a name for himself. He yeah. doesn't want to go somewhere and be just another name in the crowd at one of these blue blood programs. He wants to go somewhere where he can start right away and make an impact. And he's going to do that. I, I think, I mean, he, he's a high three-star um, recruit. Uh, I think had he, had he committed somewhere like, like a Georgetown or like a Georgia, they would have probably bumped him up to a four-star, to be honest with you. But we all know how that goes in recruiting when it comes to ECU. Um, so, yeah, the, good question. I mean, in, in the middle, that's what I love, Artie. Even though we're not a basketball school, in the middle of football season, we're talking we're basketball, basketball questions. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Oh, man, I love that. Look, I mean, I, I agree. Mike Mike Schwartz has to recruit this kid and, and say exactly what you said. I mean, you can go to some of these bigger name programs and you can wait a couple of years see what happens, or you can come to East Carolina and make an impact right away. I think that's how that's how you got to go about it. That's how you got to recruit. But we know how this goes. And when you've got big-time offers like that, if I'm an 18, 17, 18-year-old kid, and I've got a Georgetown or a Texas or a Mississippi State or what have you, that's that's an attractive offer. It's sexy. So, you know, nobody in Power Nation should be shocked if this kid doesn't come. Um, but I think if you're Mike Schwartz, that's exactly how you got to approach it. For sure. Next question, Artie. Chance Scott. He, he says, uh, does the blown coverage this week scare you? I like the second half adjustments we made on both sides of the ball. I think we have to keep feeding Winstead. The block he gave on Mitchell uh, showing showed me a lot about him. Um, n- yes and no. I mean, I, I already kind of said what, what I thought. Look, big plays are going to happen. Um, I, I think that's the thing ECU is working on the most on the defensive side of the ball this week. Mm-hmm. Is not not allowing blown coverage. That the biggest blown coverage that we had in that game, like I said, Demel Hickman fell down, slipped. It, it was wet. Not trying to make excuses, but that that's what I saw. He he was down on the ground. He had him covered, and then once he fell, it was game over. Wide open downfield for a long touchdown. Um, I I, I do like the adjustments we made. Now, granted. They came out and scored, I think, on the first drive. Uh, Old Dominion came out and first scored on the first drive of, of the second half. But then they didn't really do anything else the rest of the rest of the half. Um, so, yeah, the, adjustment, the adjustments to me were, were good. And um, Winstead, I, I, I really like Isaiah Winstead. I, I think he is going to be a 
he's going to continue to be a big piece of this ECU offense. Yeah, you know, I would say the blown coverage is a little alarming, but football is about give and take. Um, unless you're playing a really bad football team, you're not taking everything away from them. If you take away their run game, you take away most of the quarterback's option, and all they have is one guy left, um, you've pretty much done your job. You, you know, and, and I, I don't like to see that one guy go out and get as much as he did and get three touchdowns, uh, but they still did their job at the, at the end of the day. You're not going to take away everything from an offense. Um, so I'm not too, too alarmed there. And then, yeah, Isaiah Winstead is stuck. You know, we all, we all know what Isaiah Winstead could do. So I don't need to say nothing else on him. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, Artie. Um, next question from Cameron. Called into the Twitter spaces after the game last week. Um, be sure to do that this week if you want to hear from us and want to talk to us and give your thoughts on the game. Call into our Call into our Twitter spaces. It is completely free it's fun to interact we do it for 30 to 45 minutes after the game um he says ecu has struggled to win big over fcs teams the past few years do y'all think we can get over the hump against the camels saturday and finally blow an fcs team out get it hump camels yeah funny um i want to see some backups get good playing time cameron this game should be over by halftime I mean, ECU's a 30-point favorite. I, I, I've said it to several people, include Artie. I've said it to coaches. I've even said it to some players and talking with them uh, since the game Saturday. What What's the thought? And the thought is, hey, let's go out there and try to hang 70 on them. That, that's just what the thought is. Right? That's what we want to do. We want to go out there and we want to blow them out. We don't. I don't want to see Old Dominion cross the 50-yard line all game. I don't want to see that. I want to see our guys hold them back. This is a game where we should have negative rushing yards. Well, we didn't break it last week. We uh, we better break it this week. I hope we break it this week. Um, this game should be a blowout. And I think that, I mean, <laughs> Coach Houston said he was ticked off for not winning by more than 18 points this past week. And he should have. Yeah. I mean, look, when, when you're when you're trying to compete with some of the other big boys in the conference and you're trying to prove yourself and, and say, hey, I, we can hang with any of y'all. These are the types of games that you have to win by a lot. Style points matter. The way you win matters. It just does. Um, Campbell has no business making this a game. If we win close, I'm going to be pissed off. That's just pure honesty. This game, this game, like you said, it should be over by halftime. It should be a lot to a little. Um, we should take care of our business. And we're on the Navy. <laughs> that, that's that's exactly how this game should be. We take care of Campbell. We get we get our backup some some quality snaps in, and we're on to Navy. All right, BP three asks, what are y'all's thoughts on the end of half play calling? We're effectively moving the ball through the air. They're still not giving us anything on the ground. It's still a tight game. We have timeouts, and we make no real effort to move the ball. Look, I I was questioning it at, at the time. Um. At the end of the first half, I, I was really hoping that we would make a, a concerted effort to get downfield and at least try to get Owen Daffer an opportunity to, to make a kick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that this coaching staff saw that, hey, if we get down there and try to kick a field goal, we don't want to get into field goal range and have another kick blocked because of a missed assignment and that turn into six. 
Um, I, I think they played they played a um, kind of scared offense during the end of the first half because they didn't want to have that opportunity. I didn't, they didn't want to get into a spot where they had to kick the ball, try to kick a field goal, and it turned into turn into six. Um, I would have liked to see them move the ball a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they definitely could have been more aggressive at the end of that first half. I get being conservative. I get not wanting uh, to make another mistake on special teams, but that's not why you play the game. You play the game to win. Um, I would have liked to see more aggression there. Yep. Um, Adrian Njadika, he he's on here again. I, I Adrian, I'm going to probably need a phonetic uh, spelling of, of your last name so I don't pr- mispronounce it again. I'm sure I, I did it again this time. He has any 2023 football recruiting updates. Um, yeah, there, there's a new um, there's a new commit, Cameron Durant, inside offensive lineman, uh, three star, just committed over the weekend. He's gonna be he's gonna be a stud. Uh, as far as guys that are uh, still prospects and haven't committed yet, the guy to keep your eye on, and this is this is gonna be a guy that I think is gonna be a big time get for ECU if they can pull him in is Raheem Jeter. Uh, he was committed to West Virginia. Uh, he decommitted. He's got offers from Auburn, Charlotte, East Carolina, Georgia, West Virginia, um, and, and plenty more. I mean, Memphis, Missouri, Rutgers, Temple, Virginia Tech being looked at by Penn State, South Carolina, and Wisconsin. Jeez. Uh, this guy's. This guy's a dual threat quarterback. Um, uh, he's 6'3", 220. Look, you got, you got Mason Garcia for another three years. If you can get this guy into the program next year and get him some time behind Mason Garcia, you're set up for the long run at quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I think in talking with him, he is really high on ECU. So that's a guy to keep your eye on. Um Last question, Artie. What do the Pirates need to do to make the top twenty-five? That's from uh, <laughs> that's from Justin Ith, my, my former roommate. Well, they need to win a lot of football games. Obviously, um, I, I think the big one, you know, you got to you got to beat the team that you're expected to beat. So going into UCF, I think you got to do a six and one, five and one, six and one. Uh, going into UCF, we, we can't lose going into UCF. That's basically what I'm saying. And then we have to beat UCF. Uh, we have to win. I think we have to go one and one um, either against Houston or, or Cincinnati. But to me, the, the big one that's going to get us in the top 25 is that Brigham Young game. We're going to we're going to Provo, Utah. We beat Brigham Young. We're in. We're in the top 25 because we don't know where Houston is going to be. They're not ranked right now. We don't know where Cincinnati is going to be. They're not ranked right now. UCF is not ranked right, right now. Right now. BYU is the only ranked team. So, yeah, we can win a bunch of games and we can win nine, ten games. But if we're winning them against unranked teams, we're not putting East Carolina in the top 25. We go to Provo, Utah, and we make a statement there. Then we start talking about top 25. Yeah, I think if you beat you beat UCF, you beat Houston, keep it close against BYU, and play a tight game with Cincinnati, I think that's a possibility of, of being ranked. If you finish yeah. nine and three – I don't think if you finish nine three, you finish the season ranked. But I mean, no, you got you got to win ten games. ECU's got to win at least ten games in, in the American games. Conference. In the group of five, you have to. You can only have about two losses 
to be ranked right. at the end of the year. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, you you win you win the next six or seven games. You're looking at a at a ranked football team. Um, Artie, let, let's start wrapping this thing up. Uh, you got to walk the plank for me this week. Um, you know, I saw some of yours. I don't re- technically really have a walk the plank. Uh, I- I'll say walk the plank to all these major programs that took that fat L and had to pay <laughs> over a million dollars to teams from Boone and teams from Huntington, West Virginia, and teams from you know wherever the hell Georgia Southern is. I don't. I don't. Is that in Atlanta? Is Georgia Southern in Atlanta? No, they know Georgia State is Statesboro, Georgia. You know, congratulations, you played yourself. You paid you paid over a million dollars to take an L. So walk the damn plane. Yeah, I think I saw something where it was like they got those three teams got paid a combined like four point two five million. And had they done a parlay that all three of them were gonna win and taken that money that they got paid, they would have won over like four hundred billion dollars. Um <laughs> so yeah. Uh mine, Texas AM, the their 12th man midnight yell practice, whatever they do. Yeah, I saw um, that. If, if you haven't seen the video, go watch it. Talking a bunch of crap about App State, uh, being a bunch of hillbillies that can't read and they'd never heard of them. And then they went out and lost to App State. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's my walk the plank. I got another one. I'm not going to, I don't want to get into it. I don't want any App State fans coming after me this week. <laughs> um and then Artie, real quick, let's let's do a couple betting lines. Yeah. Uh this is a big game for that a bunch of ECU fans should have their eye on. Texas Tech at Houston. Texas Tech beats Houston or Texas Tech at NC State, excuse me. Texas Tech beats Houston in double overtime this past week. NC State, of course, beating ECU week one by one point. Uh state is a 10 point favorite. The over under is 55. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think State's a better team than Houston. They're at home, right? Yep. State's at home? Yeah, State, yeah. Carter Finley, State's going to win this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking State 14 points. Uh, State by two touchdowns. And I'll take the over. I, I think that the offenses in, in this um, game are going to be impressive. So, mm-hmm. uh, BYU at Oregon. We were just talking about BYU. Big game on the schedule later in the season. Oregon, look, they're frauds. They're frauds. Oregon is three and a half point favorites. In my opinion, BYU should be the favorites in this in this game, even though it's in Eugene. Look, BYU, give me BYU, and I, I think they win it by 10. Man, I'm telling you, I agree. I think BYU by 10. I think it could be more than that. I'm a big fan of BYU, even though we got to play them this, this season. Brigham Young is legit. They beat a very good Baylor team. They are really, really, really good. They're going to win. Yep. Um, and then – Lastly, before we get to Campbell at ECU, let's talk SMU at Maryland. Maryland's a three and a half point favorite at home. I, I look, Maryland's all right. Who they've they've got? Uh, I think they're two and zero. They, they've got some good wins, but I think SMU is one of the best teams in the conference. Luckily, we don't have to play them this year. Um, what what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm not a believer in Maryland to be honest with you. And SMU always starts hot. So I, I think, I think SMU is going to win. They're going to be like six, seven and one, and then they're going to fall down a cliff. So <laughs> always happens. Always happens. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me SMU. Um, I'm going to take the under though, uh, the over under 73. I, I think that's a little high, but these are two high powered offenses. So maybe not. 
I think SMU's defense is the key in this game. And then Campbell at ECU, the only line I could find on this game already, ECU is a 30-point favorite. The over-under is 54-and-a-half. Um, what are you thinking? Give me the under because Campbell's not going to score more than 10 points. Um, and I can see us scoring 40, so that's like right, what, right at 50. He said the over-under is 54-and-a-half. So I can see this being like a 40-to-7 you know, ball game. It's, it's, it's ECU. It's yeah. East Carolina. It should be East Carolina by landslide. Um, when's the last time we were 30-point favorites, by the way? I, I don't know. ECU hasn't lost a game in the last 23 times that they've been a 10-point favorite. They, they're they 23-0 when, when they're 10-point favorite against the yeah. spread. Or outright, actually. They're they're 23-0. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say – I think this is like a 43-10 game. I, I think that – Yeah. Um, I think you're right under the under. It's there might be a bad beat in there somewhere if Campbell can get a field goal and yeah, and something garbage time. Garbage time. We might make it on bad beats, but uh, yeah. Lastly, Artie, I, I think that's it. I think that's all we got to talk about. Uh, make sure to join us on our Twitter Spaces, y'all. Um, after the game, we'll be going live. Usually about thirty to forty-five minutes. Thirty minutes after um, the press conference ends. It, just whenever we get to the car, it's we do it in the car on, on the way back. Um, Artie, anything else? That's all, man. Wash your hands, wash your butt. Love you, Pirate Nation. Deuce. Peace.